Hi again, everybody. It's me, JR Man. How are you? Welcome to your Life's Work Podcast. I hope you're good. You good? Awesomeness. Today on the big show, we're going to do all in. A phrase that I use a lot when I'm talking to clients out there, and those of you who do sessions with me know that I go, hey man, are you all in? And uh, over the last year, we've been teaching a spiritual direction cohort uh, with five people. And the last sessions, we did six, six sessions over the course of a year day-long sessions. And the last one, I did a whole thing about all in, about what does that look like being all in. As a spiritual director, as a guy who sits and and is really involved in your life and walking and journeying with you, it becomes uh, like kind of a mantra to be all in with you. But that all inness, if you will, uh, does have a cost to it, if you will. And it's not, not necessarily a bad cost. It just is like, you just got to make sure you're checking yourself. Um, because at the end of the day, when I'm all in as spiritual director and walking with you, it's like, I don't want my ego and my fear and my judgments to sit on the table. What I really want to do is really listen very clearly to not only what's happening inside of you and your circumstances or your history or where you want to go, but also very clearly listen, uh, to what the divine is kind of shining a light on. And that means you got to be all in. And that means there's a, you know, kind of a discipline and kind of a thought process like a, that goes to it. And, you know, typically we hear people go, you know, like business guys out there, all the entrepreneurs on Instagram, I'm all in, you know, meaning that, you know, they're going to go to any length to get stuff done. And I kind of mean that too, but we'll explain that um, as we go. And we're going to, we're going to uh, strap on a verse from Corinthians too, just to kind of not prove out the point, but just to uh, philosophically, spiritually kind of uh, seat, set the point into some kind of um, a firmer foundation for you. So when you do think of yourself, hey, I want to be all in on that person or those people um, that you've got some kind of, uh, you got a good block, you got a good foundation to think about. So all this stuff that I'm going to be talking about to you is um, part of my spiritual direction cohort that I taught last year. And I'm just going to switch it up a little bit because basically when I'm teaching spiritual spiritual directors or people who want to learn about spiritual directors, I'm saying, hey, this is you as spiritual director. But I'm going to talk about it in terms of being friends. I'm going to talk about it in terms of being involved in a group or a tribe or a church or a synagogue or you know whatever your little collective community is. Um, for those of you who want to know about the move that's happening, because the Man family, we are we're moving out of California and moving back to Ohio. Um, this taping of this podcast is May seventeenth, and we're out of Ohio. We're out of California on June 9th, so we've got a few weeks left here. Um, for the next few weeks, I'll be traveling back and forth, kind of getting everything set as we uh, find a new house in Ohio. Um, and we're really planning on getting a house that has some kind of a retreat space. So you, uh, can jump on a plane and come hang with us. Um, and, uh, you know, do things like, uh, you know, check out for a little bit and turn the cell phone off and connect a little bit deeply to who you are. Um, and of course, uh, we'll have spiritual direction and meditation and prayer time and maybe even a little yoga, maybe a little table time with the family where we can all eat together, but we're going to set up a retreat center for you so you can come hang out and more about that will be coming. So that's kind of exciting. Uh, all my particulars are JR, J-R-M-A-H-O-N.com, J-R-Man.com. I'm JR at JRMan.com. If you need a spiritual director, you need somebody to walk with you in your life, sessions are open. Uh, the the uh, people are like, yo, what are you going to do with your clients in Southern California? No worry, no worry, no worry. I have clients all over the country, and we do phone and Skype and face-to-face, and I'll always have a, a big, huge attachment to Southern California come back and hang out, so no worries there. All right, let's jump into this. All in. So, you know, one of the big things with, with the people in our lives, the friends, the family, the community, the work, 
that we do, we want to be with people at the end of the day. We do. We want, not only do we want to be loved, but we want to love. We, at the end of the day, we do want to give. You know, I, I use the example of like when you're passing the corner, uh, and nowadays you, you, it doesn't matter what city you live in, there's a guy on the corner with a sign, and it says, uh, you know, we'll do something for money or, or, or help me, I don't have any money, or I'm homeless and, and anything would help or something like that. Like there's something that moves in you. And, and regardless of where you sit on the judgment scale of whether that's right, wrong, up, down, something moves inside of you. It's like when you see a kid on the playground that needs help or when you see an old woman crossing the street or an old person, right? I don't want to be so gender specific. Why not help an old man, right? So I just want you to know that that's a thing in you, the thing in you to be loved, the thing to love. That is a thing. It doesn't need much you know, crazy coddling and understanding because I know you get it. And again, I'm that guy that thinks you're aware. So I'm having this conversation thinking that you're already kind of in that vein and you kind of already know that I want to be loved and yeah, I do want to share love. The other thing is we don't want to walk away. We don't want people to walk away. So on the other side of that coin, we don't want to walk away. You want people to walk away. Some of the most painful times in my life have come at the cost of me walking away for no damn good reason, other than the fact that I hold expectation and judgment as my methodology for moving through this life. I'll say it again. So the most painful points of my time have not been just people doing shit to me, okay? The most painful times in my life have been when I have decided, either through my own judgments or own expectation craziness, to walk away. So so that was a thing for me, like a very deliberate thing. If you did something to me, I was out. I was gone. And how many of you have those sentences in your life? Like, oh, man, if they do that again, I'm out, right? Or, you know, I'll tell you what, what, my, what my line is, and if you cross it, I'm gone. And those things we need to challenge. <laughs> those things need challenge. They need to be on the wall, and we need to be looking at them. Now, on the other side of the coin, there is betrayal, and I get it. And as a guy who has had betrayal in his life, like we all do, no one is a stranger to betrayal. So when betrayal happens, yeah, maybe you are going to walk away. Maybe you are going to walk away. But I still want you to challenge the point of why you're walking away. What in the betrayal is leading to an absolute break in a relationship? And it may be so unhealthy it has to. And believe me, there are boundaries that need to be carved out for every relationship we have. I'll say it again. There are boundaries that need to be carved out for every relationship we have. In fact, there's some expectations that need to be on the table. Like I tell young married couples, hey, hey man, when you get married, like there's an expectation that nobody's going to have sex with another person, right? Question mark, looking across at your newly formed spouse, right? Yeah. Okay. Good. We got this. We're gonna be. We're gonna be together like that. With that way, like that's an expectation on the table. And then when that expectation's busted, we're coming back and talking about it. So I just want you to know that there's stuff like that. But generally, we want to be with people. Generally, we want to move to people. We want people to move to us. And on the opposite side of that coin, we don't want the opposite side of that coin. So there's a verse in First Corinthians. I'm gonna read out the Message Bible, and I know you people love the Message. If you don't, if you don't have a Message Bible, go out and get one, man. Take the burden off of all the bullshit translations over the course of time, and get a get a translation that can just sit in you without a lot of questioning. Seriously, I mean, that, 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 that's like a thing. It's 2019. There are versions of the Bible out there that are, that are translated like how you and I think and speak, and we don't have to do this mental gymnastics to grab the meaning of any individual scripture anymore. And for the record, we're at a point in time in history where most of the Bible is, most of the Bible has been 
really well-defined and informed and studied enough to know that a lot of the craziness that the Bible was 30 years ago ain't. So please, uh, you know, do yourself a favor, get a, get a version of the Bible that, that is translated like how you think and speak, and then also do some reading in and around what you're reading that makes sense so you can understand historical context, so you can understand the movement of why things were written or the way that the Bible was handed down over the course of time from a verbal platform to a written platform to now hopefully we're moving into a real contemplative uh, style of experience with the divine in 2019, and it's real hot right now, meaning there's a real experience to be had with God. And that does float inside scripture, and it does float inside of other writings. I literally had a guy look at me a couple years ago, and he's like, the only thing I need is the Bible, and I don't know why you read other things, because that's the only thing you need. And that is BS, y'all. It's absolute BS. The great thing about people who study the Bible are the fact that they write about it, because it helps people like you and I not only discern deeper levels of the experience of God, but it also settles these massive certitude and certain black and white issues that we think are out there that aren't, <laughs> that just aren't. And that's a whole other conversation that we can get into. All right, so this is 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 23. Um, and this is a guy named Paul who wrote this, and Paul was a, a dude who um, had a massive experience Um with the divine and uh, rolled out some of the the greatest non-dualistic type of thinking and love offered in spiritual writing to this day. Um, and there's other stuff out there too, but this is what he says in 1 Corinthians. So this is a letter he writes to the Corinthians, the people of Corinth. He goes and he starts a church, he starts a community, he starts a tribe, he starts a gathering, he starts people hanging out, all in the name of understanding the Christ or the this risenness of love and life through the divine, through Jesus. Uh, and he writes this letter back to him. He says, even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone. So listen to the first line. Even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people. Religious, non-religious, Meticulous moralists, loose living moralists, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. So this is a great. So Paul, this guy who's had this massive experience with the divine, is already saying, yo, I'm free of any demands of the people around me and myself, and I'm also free of all your expectations and mine too. So what kind of life is that? Like that's super undefended. There's super nothing to prove and super nothing to lose in that. That guy's all in. That guy doesn't have to worry about his garbage fear of what you think about him or what he thinks about himself or how he's going to hold up what you think should be true, right, wrong, up, down, or even himself. And so at that point, he's like, yo, I'm a servant. I'm a servant to you. This consciousness, this awareness that I have of me, this understanding of the love that sits inside of me, like I got it. So now I'm servant. And and in order for me to be a servant, right, he's like, that's going to reach a bunch of people. So I'm, I'm going to humbly move into your life. And he's like, I'm gonna, I want to talk to the religious. I want to talk to the non-religious. I want to talk to the meticulous moralists. And you know they're out there, man. 2019, the meticulous moralism that's going on right now is like insidious. At some level, it's like you want to punch people in the face. There's so much judgment happening right now in 2019. It's like crazy town. 
He says, loose living immoralists. <laughs> I love that. Loose. Are any of you out there a loose living immoralist? <laughs> it sounds like a great, like we should, that should be a, that should be like a group I start. Welcome to all you loose living immoralists. He says, the defeated. How many of you out there feel defeated? I do, man. I feel defeated from time to time, no doubt. The demoralized, absolutely. He says, whoever, whoever, it doesn't matter. He says, I didn't take on their way of life. He's like, I'm not taking on the loose living moralist life. I'm not taking on the religious people's life. I'm not doing that. He's like, he's like, I kept my bearings in Christ. I kept my bearings in love. I keep my bearings in the risenness of who I am in this great consciousness that says we are all alike. We all belong to one another. We all belong to love. We all belong to God. He's like, that's where I'm centered. That's my centered. Uh, so I'm not moving over here going, I'm a Republican, I'm a Democrat, I'm a conservative Christian evangelical. No, no. He's like, I- I'm at Christ, man. I'm-, I'm in love. I am in the vein of understanding that we are all in this together. He goes on to say, but I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I moved into them all in, right? He's all, I'm moving into them. I'm casting out my, my, my demands of myself or your demands of me. I'm casting out my expectations of myself or your expectations of me. And now I'm moving into your life, Right? This is a wonderful flow. This is a guy who, man, who just wants to simply love people. And it's wonderful. And he said, try to see things from their, their point of view. How many of you out there have people in your life that don't have your point of view encircling your circle? Seriously, I want you to answer that right now. Who in your life believes completely opposite to you? Who in your life behaves completely opposite of you? Who in your life, like, think, think, think about because some of us don't. Some of us will never get there. Some of us are only going to do certitude. Some of us are only going to do our own judgments and defeat why we are to open up in love. And we, and we don't want to do that. He goes on to say, I become just about every sort of servant. He uses the word servant. I love that. I become about every kind of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. Now, that point right there, like that's those are triggering words, God-saved life, because we have effed up. The American church has effed up this word saved so bad. You need saving. So it's it, it God saved. Like, let's just let's go, let's just go through this. It, it's not putting you in a position of less than. It's not putting you in a position of stupid, jerk, fool wretched, horrible person. And I that, and that's what the evangelical Americanized church has done, right? We pointed to everybody, particularly groups of people, and said, you suck, and you have no value, and you have no eternal value, and without this that I know that I do, you're damned. And that's BS. When he's saying God saved life, he's liter- literally allowing you into the idea that God is love, and love heals all the wounds, love heals all the conditions, all the circumstances, Love takes off all the expectation off the table. Love takes all the demands and all the judgment and all the fear and all the crazy egoic bullshit off the table. That's what it does. That's a God-saved life, right? So I I live a God-saved life. I live a life where I know this God loves me, where the divine loves me. And in that, I find strength, nothing to prove, nothing to lose. And I live a very undefended life because at the end of the day, I've learned to love myself and, and am learning to love myself so that you and your demands and expectations, my demands, my, my expectations, aren't keeping me from that great power of love. 
He goes on to say, I did all this because of the message. And that's the message. Like you hear people talk about the gospel. It's good news. Gospel translated good news. And the good news is, ready? Here's the good news. That we've always been married to this incredible power of love in the universe. Hey, hey, hi, I'm Jesus, and guess what? We're, we're, we've always been there. We've always been married to the. There, there's never been a separation between you and him or a fall, as people like to call it. It's, it's not a thing. Go back and read it, man. Go back and read it. God doesn't kick people out of the garden in Genesis angry and pissed and you're, you suck. And you, that's not it. He clo- The metaphor in the Bible is he closed them. And for those of you who know what I'm talking about, in Genesis, there's a story where two people get together that God is creative and they create it and they do something that isn't necessarily a need or a want to be done, but they do it anyway. And now God says, hey, yo, you got, you, you can't be a part of this or I'm not, or, 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 or in its love and in its extrapolation of how you've been created, you've kind of now, you've kind of, kind of removed yourself from this. But I'm clothing, I'm giving you, I'm giving you clothes as you leave this place. So, you know, I, I tend to think God becomes a little sorrowful at that point, not angry and pissed off. But what about all those scriptures in the, the Old Testament about being angry God and pissed off God? We can talk about those another time because there there truly is a very valued understanding that needs to go down when we talk about an angry God. Okay, moving forward. See, man, I start to splinter myself and I get crazy. I did all this because of the message. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. Paul finishes. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. I wanted to be in on being a servant, in on loving people, in on helping through, helping people through their stuff. I wanted to be there. Not, not, I wanted to pump my own ego and have posters of me and, and, and websites of me wearing cool clothes with a great smile and looking how cool I am because I'm coming to help you next. That's not it, man. He wanted to be in on being a servant, in on helping people into that God-centered, saved life of love, of love, nothing to prove, nothing to lose, living an undefended existence. So we want to be all in. Let me check my time. Okay, we're close. We want to be all in. So this is this is a, this is a little paragraph that I wrote uh, when I taught when I taught one of my cohorts that I just thought would be really great. So I write: We are charged, you and me, are charged to be with people into the journey or direct people onto the journey. And in that journey, I'm talking about love. I'm talking about love. And in that, we must not hold position, right? We must not hold demands or expectation, right? We must not hold position with our friends, with our people, our family. Don't hold that stuff. We come to them as Christ to death did. Christ met death very consciously. Not death is going to defeat him, but there's going to be something on the other side of death. And again, metaphorically, we can say things in us have to die to live. And for those of you who have struggled through pain, grief, or mourning, you know what I'm talking about. For those of you who have watched a relationship die in front of you, even without your provocation, and lived to talk about it, you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes things die to live. And this is how Christ viewed death. His consciousness was way bigger than just physical death. This goes well beyond just a body dying. This goes to you understanding a risenness in you as you climb through painful and hardships or even or, or, or even things that are mildly painful in your life. We come to know them, our people, as Christ to death. 
holding for a time through the hell that can be the human condition. Not hell as a place to go, but the hell that can be a human condition. I know people that are pissed, man, and they're living in their own hell. I know people that have had terrible things done to them, and as a result of that, the pain and the, and, and the horribleness of, of a circumstance has kept them locked into a hell. And the human condition can look very much like that essence of hell. Not a place. Not a place. We come to them as Christ to death, holding for a time through the hell that can be the human condition. So we're sitting with people through that hell. The darkness, the false self, the ego, the pride, the willingness to not enter into the flow of God's love. We strive to not satisfy our own ego, motives, and plans, but in practice hold to loving our friends, our family, our tribe, even if times look to repeat themselves again and again and again. We must be all in. We must be all in. Our movement is their movement. Their movement is our movement. Your brother, your sister, your work co, your work person, your person in your church or your synagogue or, or wherever you're, you're hanging out, it's just like you, y'all, just like you. We want to be loved. We want to give love. We don't want the opposite of that. So when you're with people, hold to their hell sometimes. Sometimes sit and hold with them through their hell. Just like Christ met his, just like Christ met his own death and then moved into a broader consciousness and awareness and a sense of all of our deaths, right? And all of the bullshit that comes with humanity. And he sat and he held that as he would then become to resurrect in the essence of Christ in this full, abundant, loving life. And what we now know is a resurrected Jesus. And that's in you, for the record. And when I talk to you about this stuff, like stuff jumps in you. And that's how you know. That's how you know that things are happening. So I just want you to know that. We are holding sometimes people's own hell. We are all in on it. Sometimes we run from it. Sometimes we can't deal with it. Sometimes it's too much energy. But I'm like, yo, give yourself the opportunity to sit with it. So let me give you the practicality and some bullet points on how we can journey and take that key responsibility to being all in with people around us, particularly when circumstances are hard in their own hell. I ask you the question, how motivated are you to beyond to go beyond expectations? How motivated are you to, beyond, to go beyond what your expectation is of another human being? Particularly if you're dealing with somebody in addiction. That person can't use anymore. If they use, I'm gone. If they drink, I'm gone. If they smoke, I'm gone. If they look at porn one more time, I'm, I'm, out, I'm out. How willing are you to go beyond that expectation? And to know that people on the other side of the fence in their own hell might be struggling for long periods of time. How willing are you to hold that hell? How willing are you to stay with it at some point? Now, again, I understand I'm not asking you to be a doormat. For those of you who are locked in relationships with an, with an addict, I'm not asking you to be a doormat. So, you know, I'm not. I'm not. So somebody's going to say to me, but I don't want to live with an alcoholic. I'm like, I got you. I don't want to live with a drug addict. I got you. My husband's a porn addict. I don't want, I got you. I know that. And I, and I don't want that for you either. But at some level, I want the expectation to be pulled off the table that says that guy's that if I hold the expectation over him and he doesn't, I'm gone. What I'm looking for is you to really understand why you'd be breaking relationship. What's happening inside of you that you're going to break that relationship? And why is the relationship off kilter? Because some dude is, or woman has entered into a hell. 
because we all do. We all do. And again, I'm not justifying people's behavior. So stay with me. I'm saying this is human. How willing are you to drop expectations? How willing are you to drop the expectations on yourself? What are the expectations of you right now? I've got to be perfect. I've got to be number one. I've got to look a certain way. I've got to drive a certain thing. I've got, my hair has got to be right. I've got to wear this certain type of thing. I got to live this certain place. If, if I don't talk or Instagram or, or Facebook like that, well, then I'm, I'm horrible. This is all about being all in. All in is stretching. All in is inviting. All in can look like a pain in the ass. All in can be, it can be an absolute joy and victory. Are there behaviors, practices, beliefs that you won't deal with? Ready? Are there behaviors, practices, or beliefs that you won't deal with? And what are they? And I want you to ask yourself why. And does that make you exclusive or inclusive as a person who loves? Are there behaviors, practices, or beliefs that you simply won't deal with? And are they preloaded? And in that, are you creating an exclusive community or an inclusive community and why? Is definition or defining a part of how you move in and out of relationships? Are you defining your relationships or looking to put a definition on your relationships as a way of moving in and around? How will you react when someone strays off course, even in the most egregious way? How are you reacting when your friends, your loved ones, your coworkers, your church people, when they stray and they go egregious? How are you reacting? What are you, where are you reacting? When the, when the pastor gets caught banging a prostitute, what are you doing? When your son gets popped for drugs, what are you up to? When your best friend comes to you and sits down and said, I just had an affair with X, Y, and Z, what, where are you going? When your wife comes to you and says, I've had an affair, what's going on there? What's happening? How are you reacting? What ways might you react if someone walks away from you? If someone just walks away from you, no explanation, what are you doing? Where are you going with that? How do you center your fear with the people that are around you? How do you center your fear? What are you doing? Are you reactive in your fear? Are you running or fighting? When you get fear with people, what is fear and how is fear affecting your relationships? Are you not moving into a relationship because of you're afraid? Are you not moving away from a relationship because you're afraid? What's happening in there? All right, be careful not to allow despair to define your relationships. Because sometimes despair will. Sometimes there's an over arc of despair in our relationships that have a history to them. And sometimes we will literally define that relationship by that despair. Maybe it's an abusive situation. Again, maybe it's an addictive situation. Maybe it's a spiritual abuse situation. Maybe it's a situation where somebody's just made you feel like shit about yourself. And that despair is always in the air. And if that's a fact, man, you've got to shake. You've got to talk about that and get that out in the open. Ultimately, heartbreak can turn destructive and keep you from being all in. Heartbreak, which we all will have, will be that one thing that we hang our hats on when it comes to leaving and breaking relationships. And when we're talking about all in, we're talking about serving love. We're going back to that verse and serving love. 
serving everybody, everybody out there in a very inclusive way. We're serving people in love. But heartbreak and betrayal and all those things that can get really muddy very quickly will ultimately be a defining mechanism for how we move in and out of relationships. And that's where I'm pointing about being all in. Because all in for me, me, here's all in for me. All in means I got nothing to prove, nothing to lose. Meaning I know there's more hurt out there for me, y'all. I know there's more betrayal out there for me, y'all. I know I'll hurt you. I do. I That's what's going to happen. Like I'm going to try like hell for that not to happen, but I know I'll let you down and disappoint you. I know I even might betray you at some moment. That's a, that's a possibility. I'm not taking that off the JR table. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to try like hell for it not to happen. I'm going to keep myself as sharp as I possibly can by being a servant to that love, a servant to you, a listener for and with you. And hold not only your hell but my own. All under the guises of these wonderful teachings of Jesus. Or for that matter, whatever other wisdom traditions are there are that help me do that. Hey, I love you, and you're the best. I'm jrjrman.com, jr at jrman.com. If you need me, I'm right here. So don't ever forget it. If you need a spiritual director, I'm right here. Again, jrjrman.com. Um, listen, we're going to do a part two in All In because obviously we need to, and I feel like I need to too. But uh, hey, again, I appreciate you so very much being on my journey, and I love you guys very much, and we'll talk soon. Mm-hmm.